0: All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, this is Pastor Doug Minton. This week we are digging deeper into the Psalms, coming to the end of book one of the Psalms, Psalm 40 and 41. And as I promised last week, a little bit of really the only thing we can come up with for why there are five books of Psalms is that David decided to have five books of the music for the service to correspond with the five books of Moses, and the Torah. So as that is the most prominent reading in the synagogue, so also the Psalms that hold up the service as the hymns do for us today in the Christian church have that same goal of having those five books. And that comes from the Midrash on Psalm 1, verse 1. The very beginning of the Psalms, why do we have five books of Psalms? Even from the Early days of the bringing together of it, of the written text, why do we have five? And that is the question. Now, what is the Midrash? The Midrash is the tertiary commentary on the scriptures. So you have the scriptures itself, the Tanakh, as the uh, Hebrew Bible is often called. Then you have the Talmud, which is an interpretation or expansion on certain things in the Tanakh and then you had the Midrash which is the interpretation of the Talmud so and the Midrashes go as far back as the Talmuds themselves which it easily go to the Masoretic period of around 1000 AD and I'm sure there were plenty before that in oral traditions before they were finally written down so we have this from early days as the five Books of the Psalms are there to correspond to the five books of Moses. Now, is there a one-to-one correlation? No. That's like trying to say that Isaiah having 66 chapters, that each chapter represents a single book of the Christian Bible. And, I mean, if you want to try to prove that each individual chapter has something inherently in it to do with a particular book, you're wasting your time. That's one of those things that is a question that need not be answered because it's a stupid question. Now, I know we were taught that there is no such thing as a stupid question until you get to a stupid question. Just saying. All right. So, enough of the rant here. And that is the background. And that is the most likely point of reference for there being five books, just because there are five books. And maybe that each of the books do correspond to one or the other, depending on which book the Torah reading was from, maybe they took different psalms from the various parts. So you would have Genesis readings have one of the psalms from 1 through 41. You had Exodus, and it was maybe Psalm 42 to 72, and so on and so forth on up through Deuteronomy and the 150th psalm. And is that plausible? Sure, that's plausible, but you know it's a guess, just like many other things with the Psalms. But let's get out of the realm of guessing. Let's get into the actual core, the truth, the honest part of the text in Psalms 40 and 41 this week. So Psalm 40, to the choir master, a Psalm of David. Again, to the choir master, again, one designed for the Sabbath worship. And then verses 1 through 5. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O oh Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them; yet they are more than can be told. You see, we have a complete turnaround in attitude from last week's psalms to this week's psalms. Is that last week were burdensome; that our sins were burdening and heavier than we can bear. And now we praise God because he has put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. And then verse 5 is probably one of the greater verses in this psalm. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. Again, what is man that God should think of him? Of the son of man that he should even consider him? Last week we talked very little This week, the fact that we are looked upon is what is praised. It is that time where we look to God, looking for help and deliverance. And we find it, not because we've become more than the 116 billionth of a breath, but because God has looked upon us as a son or a daughter of his heavenly kingdom. And that is why we have a new song, a song of praise to God. That is why we can say this. Go back to verse two. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. You can't get yourself out of the pit. You can't unstick yourself from the miry bog. God has to pull you out. And he does that through Jesus and that is why we praise him that is why we take the time to focus our lives and our teachings in the Lutheran church on justification because that is where the importance is that we think oh I can get myself out well Adam and Eve thought that too after they were kicked out of the garden didn't work for them doesn't work for us But blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Blessed is the man. Going back again to Psalm 1, to the beginning of the Psalms, to remind us of the fact that it is God who blesses those who take refuge in him. And we go on in verses 6 through 10 to bring out what Jesus brings out to the Pharisees through the prophet Hosea, especially chapter 6, verse 6, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. We can pile up multitudes of sacrifices, as the Israelites did in the Old Testament, but they do us no good, not until the steadfast love and mercy of God are shown solely by grace. But we look at verses 6 through 10. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love or your faithfulness from the great congregation. Sacrifice is not the thing that God wants from us. Sure, he does call for us to sacrifice things from time to time, but that is not what saves us because there is only one sacrifice that saves. What does he want? He wants us to take advantage of his open ear. He wants us to come and show that same steadfast love and mercy to our neighbor. He wants us to bring out the glad news of deliverance and salvation that is ours in Christ. He wants us to boldly and proudly proclaim that we are saved by Jesus Christ and nothing else in this world is more important than that one sentence. So he says in verse 10, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. And we talk about the great congregation in the Psalms being not just the people who are there at the moment of the Sabbath worship, but all of the people of God. That is the great congregation. And we bring that out again in Psalm 22 as we talk about the great love that is given to us through the one who was forsaken by God to save us from our sins. And we cannot help but extol those praises. We go on, verses 11 through 17, through the rest of the psalm here. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who desire my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Those great, closing words. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. That is the whole point of Psalm 40, but also the whole point of the Bible is that, yes, individually we are insignificant. Yes, we might make some great stamp onto the life of this world, but even that is just the stamp until somebody else finds something that's better than the stamp that we made. It's never permanent. But what is permanent? God's steadfast love and faithfulness that will ever preserve me. That is what is important. We cannot help but seek after those things because we are poor and needy. And we go and we take refuge in the one Who takes thought of us we continue on into psalm 41 again to the choir master a psalm of david blessed is the one who considers the poor in the day of trouble the lord delivers him the lord protects him and keeps him alive he is called blessed in the land you do not give him up to the will of his enemies the lord sustains him on his sickbed in his illness you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words while his heart gathers iniquity. While he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. This is the life of a Christian, isn't it? That those who seek after us to seek us harm, Not necessarily physical, but definitely those who seek to make us stumble want to have the final word. They want to be able to say, when will he die and his name perish? Because that is the thing. We go through the Psalms again, over and over. When we die, our name perishes. We might, yes, have a little bit of a legacy that goes on. But again, that's until somebody invent something else that negates our legacy so then we become a footnote in history again but god is gracious to us he takes thought of us just as we look to those who are wonderful in our eyes because they consider the poor blessed are they in verse one why because among us The poor are the ones that seem to be the most pitiable, the ones that need our help. And so we should offer it to them. We should give it to them freely, not because there is something that they can do for us, but because we know that there will be time that we will be needy as well and will need help. The Lord protects those who consider the poor. The Lord protects those who seek after righteousness and justice, even in the face of their enemies. And the enemies continue on in verses 8 through 10. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. Where have we heard these words before? The passion of our Lord. My close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Those were the words that Jesus spoke to talk about Judas betraying him into the hands of the chief priest and the elders. It is his work that was wanted to be derailed by the evil ones. And Judas thought he was helping with the good, But no. But what does he say? But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. And Jesus does get raised up. He does repay them because he is the one who comes back to judge the living and the dead. He is the one whose resurrection gives us the promise of everlasting life with him in heaven. And this is where the psalm ends. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout and triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. There ends book one of the Psalms with that blessing of the Lord that we come to see as the capstone of this. Because again, blessed be the Lord at the end. What's at the beginning? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who does not sit in the seat of scorners, who does not stand in the way of scoffers. Why is that? Because that man is trying to stand in the way of God and to be in his everlasting light. And that is where we find ourselves, digging deeper into the Psalms, looking for these great little nuggets of times where A, they are put into other scriptures, but B, where they show us God's love for us long before we were ever thought of, that God would uphold those whom he loves and has shown mercy and steadfast love to, that he has delivered from the snares of the evil one so that they might be set in his presence forever. All right, that's it for this week. This is Pastor Doug Minton. Thanking you for digging deeper in the Psalms with me. Next week, we will be looking at Psalms 42 through 44, getting into book two, seeing if there's a difference, especially once we get to the Psalms of the sons of Korah, which do dominate the second book. But until then, this is, again, Pastor Doug Minton, wishing you God's richest blessings as you wrestle with theology this week. Amen.